Amen and amen. I tell you what, if you grew up like I did, every Sunday morning at the end of that Baptist church gathering, there would either be one of two songs that were sung. It was either going to be just as I am, or it was going to be at Calvary right there. So I was having a moment backstage just then. I see my mama and my daddy, and I can go way back to all of us being in church and singing that song at the end of every service. So uh, great to be with you this morning. I, I listened to Miss Deanna <clears throat> as she came out and talked about the candidates and whatnot. And, you know, I've been privileged to sit in those meetings and to, and to listen and whatnot, but I had to disagree with her. Uh, all of them, uh, they're okay, but Dad Burnett, I think we just need to go back to the drawing board, and I'll be back up here with you for about six more months at least at the platform. So, <laughs> No, 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 it's so exciting. We have some wonderful candidates that God has brought forward, and so I just want to echo what she was saying. We're very excited. The process is intense. I want you to be praying, please, for every member of that search committee because right now they're spending hour upon hour researching watching sermons listening and looking at social media platforms and uh, just considering these candidates and so uh, it's a heavy weight upon them and I just pray that you will be praying for them as they walk on that journey and uh, I know that God is going to bring us the man all right I know that God is going to do that and I'm excited about that I pray that you are excited about that as well so if you're just joining us this morning and you haven't been with us for a little bit uh, we are still looking closely at the foundational beliefs that drive our gospel ship, so to speak. Uh, we began at New Year again looking at Mary and talking about how difficult it was for her, and yet in God's sovereignty and His timing and His plans, we found out they're higher and better than our own. Uh, we considered what Jesus has done for us with the forgiveness of sin, the adoption into God's family as a child of God, and the promise of eternal life and we were reminded that because of that we are secure in Christ Jesus we are saved when we believe upon his work on the cross of Calvary and then we discussed how he wants us to to love each other uh, the way that he's loved us uh, to live uh, abundant lives and and uh, to excel in things as we know that the spirit of God is upon us and to do the good works that he has prepared in advance for us to do and we we realize from that that we are also not just secure in Christ but we are responsible to Christ every day for what he has done for us and then uh, just before we began looking at the Apostles Creed uh, we looked at and tried to consider how God looks at us and we were reminded that he tells us that we are his masterpiece we are the best thing that he ever did but I don't know how you feel this morning but when I get up and I consider all of that I'm ready to go folks I'm ready to go so we uh, we started in on the Apostles Creed just to look at again foundational statements uh, beginning with I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and of earth and in Jesus Christ our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary and as we learned last week from Pastor Lyle suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified died and buried and on the third day resurrected he descended into hell and he then ascended into heaven and sat at the right hand of God the Father Almighty from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Wait, what? Wait, all that good stuff? I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus the Son. I believe that he was died, buried, resurrected, all that good stuff. And then it says, from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. What is that all about? From thence. Well, first off, I had to look up thence. It wasn't in my regular southern vernacular at all. 
Uh, and so uh, it, it means in the old English, from there, from where? From there he shall come to judge the quick, that is the living, and the dead. And if you haven't studied your Bible, we read in Scripture that Jesus today sits at the right hand of the throne of God. Where? In the mercy seat. Thank God Almighty. Amen. In the mercy seat for you and I. This Apostles' Creed, it was originally constructed to combat some of the early heresies that came out in the years after Christ was crucified and ascended. And even in the early days, it was used as the baptism ceremony. They would bring the baptism candidates before them, and they would ask them these questions. Do you believe in God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth? Do you believe in Jesus, his son? Do you believe that he was uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary? Do you believe, do you believe, do you believe? And finally then, upon their profession of faith, they would be baptized. Some of you may have come from a church background, again, where the reciting of the Apostles' Creed is a normal, everyday Sunday function where you are reminded of the basic tenets of the faith that has always been important to crossroad church that we come from a variety of backgrounds we come from every different kind of church setting to gather here together this morning and we rely on the basic tenets of the faith to drive and guide us all the way along the way this particular part of the creed now from this judgment this idea of judgment uh, comes first from acts 10 42 where peter is proclaiming the resurrection story to a massive crowd and he says he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead so here it is in Acts Jesus is the judge or you can go to first Peter in his letter there chapter 4 where he again states to the unbeliever they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead so we've always seen peter talk about gentle jesus in his writings sweet jesus shepherd jesus now he refers to him as judge jesus and even in hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 where it says nothing in all creation is hidden from god's sight but everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account now if you're already uncomfortable this morning because we're going to be talking about judgment just be still and, and let me walk through this with you i don't want anybody jumping up and walking out as we get to this being scared uh, this is the word of god and thank god for his grace uh, we do need to re, we do need to understand what judgment is all about there are there you know lots of times we just talk about judgment in the sense of those who believe and those don't who believe who don't who not a little, a little. <clears throat> those who do not believe but there are seven judgments talked about in the word of god very briefly we have the judgment of the cross and that is for those who believe or do not believe upon the name of jesus christ for his work his saving grace his atonement on that cross we have the judgment of our walk which happens while we are walking on this earth and that is the correction and the chastisement that comes our way it's discipline as a father disciplines a child it is talked about in the bible and if you've never considered that in your daily journey it is a truth in god's word that he is walking with us and his holy spirit is convicting us of our unrighteousness and he is guiding our steps as we go we have the judgment of our works which takes place at the bema at the judgment seat of God where our works will be determined whether they were human works or whether they were works of the Spirit of God and those will be judged we have the judgment of Israel which is still to come 
A remnant, we are told in the Word of God, will remain after that judgment, some 144,000 described in the Word of God. Uh, But that judgment is still to come for those in Israel who will choose not to believe. We have the judgment of the nations. That's ongoing. Five cycles of discipline talked about in the Bible, and the fall of a nation is the fifth cycle that happens when we have a a people that will not turn to God. But also then we have an end times judgment of the nations that will take place. The sixth one is the judgment of the angels. Uh, You and I will take part in that. Those fallen angels who uh, Christ went down and when he descended into hell after his death, and and had the keys with him and made a victorious proclamation to those fallen angels that had rebelled back eternity past with with lucifer himself those then will be judged and cast into the lake of fire we read about in the word of god and you and i will be there for that and then we have the judgment of the wicked and that is those described as non-believers and there is a judgment spoken of in the word of god that they will be cast into indeed into the lake of fire at that time you know, we live in a day and age where accountability has become a nasty word. Uh, in our entitlement and in our enlightenment today, nobody wants to be held responsible for our words and for our deeds. Um, in a day when we can hide behind our cell phone screens and our online personas and the anonymity of technology, uh, being held for our actions our thoughts, our words, and our deeds should shake us to our very course. It should. Most of us don't want to think about it. I remember very clearly, Shawshank Redemption is one of my favorite movies, if you've ever seen that. It's about a man who's wrongfully convicted and put in prison, and he he's, uh, suffers a great deal there under a corrupt system and a corrupt warden. But in that warden's office, uh, he, he played the high and righteous guy all the time, quoting scripture and everything. He had a little wall hanging that his wife had made him in that, in that office that said that his judgment comes and that right soon. And he meted out all that judgment until his day came and then his judgment came right soon. And I always thought about that. And, and uh, whenever I think about the end of my life, uh, I, 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 it's not that I worry about it, but I do know uh, that the day will come when I'll stand before God for all that I've done in this world. The clause of the creed that we're talking about points to the future. His judgment will come. In Acts 1, those who saw Jesus ascend stood gazing up, and two heavenly messengers in white appeared to him and said, This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. And Jesus also warned the disciples himself that the time it was hand that he would leave them, and return to the father but that his departure would not be final that he would come again to gather all of the nations to him that's every person on this earth to judge the quick and the dead to judge the living and the dead and it wasn't to scare the disciples because he also comforted them by saying that i go to prepare a place for you and i will come again i'll take you to be with me that you may also be where i am and we should find comfort in those words for those who call upon the name of the lord we shall be saved it says he received them because they received him uh, messiah literally the anointed one their deliverer the one that had, that had come and he always jesus said he wanted to come and deliver everyone for his sin it's what he was here for and it said that they devoted their allegiance with their lives to jesus christ 11 of the 12 died horrible deaths only john lived out his life 
would you describe your life today as one of devoted allegiance to Christ? Does that statement describe your life today? Or are we like so many that walk this world and we say that we are Christians and we're here on Sunday mornings and we'd probably be here to eat a little pasta tonight. But does that really make our lives worthy of the calling that we have received? Matthew 16 says his return will not only be for the reception of the faithful to kingdom and glory, but for judgment upon all humanity. It says the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. There will be an accounting. There will be an accounting. And Matthew 25 says, For when the Son of Man comes in glory, and all the, nation, all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. In Revelations 1, look, John says, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Too many of us get caught up in all the details of it, trying to understand when that's going to happen. Now, you, you get online today, and you know some people think he's coming back yesterday, some today, and some tomorrow. And it's the whole world is filled with an opinion about when Jesus is coming back. I don't think we ought to get so concerned with understanding the timing and the order of that judgment so much that we miss out on the fact that there's going to be accountability before God for all of us, and it should stir us at least to do a, a sober personal life assessment and consider our lives a little bit. Now, see, this is not that feel-good thing, is it? Oh, somebody's like, oh, man, I, we, <laughs> we need to kind of get past this one, don't we? We, we just need to get next week to the Holy Spirit. Oh, that'll be good, <laughs> right? The Holy Spirit comes to convict us of our unrighteousness, y'all. And he has a role in all of our lives in guiding us in this life. So perhaps in the midst of your busy lives, there ought to be a moment soon where you conduct a very personal life assessment of what in the world you're doing with the time that God has given you. Here's what I find. For all of us <laughs> that are a little more advanced in years now, uh, we realize, hey, 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 I better be doing this because I don't know how many of these days that I have left. So I need to take the time and be sure that I'm looking at it. But young people, you never know. So don't, don't look at all of us old dogs and think, well, they're going to be gone long before me. You do not know the number of days, the number of hairs on your head like God does. So that assessment may need to happen. It says that the, all of the earth, all the peoples of the earth in Revelation, it says, will mourn because of him. But why, why would that be? Shouldn't we celebrate the return of Christ, the coming of Christ? But they will mourn because the unbeliever will incur the judgment unto eternal death, it says in Scripture, because they have rejected the invitation to receive the gift of salvation from the only one who could offer it. Jesus said in John 3, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath 
remains on him we still i love the imagery of god the father of being of of, of the word abba which means daddy uh, that we run to him as a child that we that we have that kind of innocent innocent belief in him but but there is a there is another side to that god has always been holy amen god has always been a god of justice a god of righteousness a god of wrath a God who cannot abide in the presence of sin, and as much as He loves us, He will allow us, to, because we are made in His image and we have a free will, He will allow us to make a decision that ultimately could result in our eternal damnation. I don't want anyone in this room to make that choice. I don't want anyone that I know to stand before Almighty God one day and maybe we're never even spoken to about salvation in Jesus Christ, about the gospel, the good news. In John 5, it was Jesus Himself who said, The Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. One author said that as God... He will have all things naked and open before him. As man became subject to human conditions and was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Our judge, Jesus, knows our frame, he writes, our temptations, our weaknesses, our difficulties. And in the judgment, as in his life on earth, he will not apply to men's conduct a harsher measure or judgment than they have merited. His judgment will be fair because a holy, jo- a holy God cannot judge unfairly. Now, we've always had questions and still questions I get asked about foreign countries and faraway places and how certain people groups and cultures in our world's history will will be judged and there's still a lot after thousands of years that i don't understand i'm not a thousand years old but mankind does not understand what you can count on is this god's judgment will be just and god will make no mistake in any instance it is not for me to decide the fate of others around me It is my opportunity and my privilege to present the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news to them, so they have an opportunity to make a decision for Him. And the rest then is on them. Anytime a child reaches that age of accountability from that point forward where they are able to understand and grasp the reality of Jesus Christ, it's on the individual. But God, help me if we don't spend our time doing our best as the people of God to share about Jesus Christ in a way that people will be drawn unto Him and they will live with Him in their lives. Amen? That's what our life in Christ is to be all about. So what do we know for sure? We know that men cannot be justified by their own works. We've talked about that. For our good works and our wonderful deeds that we do do not satisfy God's law for the forgiveness of sin. Sin cannot be erased by good deeds, as hard as the world wants to make that happen. Well, I'm a good person. I, I give money to charities. I, I care about the, I have compassion for those less fortunate than me. I, I've given, I've spent my time, I've done this, and all that is wonderful. But if that is outside of knowing Jesus Christ, the word of God is clear and it says that that person who has not accepted the grace gift of salvation because of the blood of Jesus Christ, they will not be saved no matter how good they are. 
And that's hard for people of the earth to understand and to take in to, and, to, and to believe because they want to believe in themselves. Forgiveness of sin required the cross of Calvary. It's what we were singing about. Our, human, our, our, our humanly construed idea that our attempt at outdoing bad with good and that that can earn God's reward is ludicrous. It's not truth. It's not what God says in His Word. Even more so, that idea is offensive to God whose perfect holiness and justice we can't even begin to grasp. We're so far removed from His standard, and yet we try to judge ourselves as being good. Isaiah had it right when he, in the presence of God, cried out, I am ruined, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Or Paul, who said, when he looked at himself in Romans chapter 7, at the very end in the last verse of that chapter, he says, What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death. Does your heart cry out that way this morning? Do we stand before God as individuals and cry over our condition, cry over our continued sin, or do we excuse ourselves and basically say, I'm a pretty good believer. I'm a pretty good person. Scripture tells us clearly in 1 John, we talk about it so often, that though we may sin, sin is not the issue in the life of a believing person. Jesus Christ paid the price once for all on the cross of Calvary. But to walk in fellowship with the Spirit to be able to be in communion with our God, our Lord, our Savior. If we confess our sin, what does He do? He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to purify us of all unrighteousness, those things that we don't even know we've done that are offensive to God. He says, I will wipe that away if you believe upon my Son, and if you name back your sin and you walk with me, I will be your God, you will be my people, I will walk with you through my Son, Jesus Christ. There will be a time of accounting. The good news of the gospel says that those redeemed in Christ shall be rescued, delivered, protected from eternal damnation. Not on account of their good works, but because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 3, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. That big word, atonement, simply means He stepped into your place. He paid your death penalty. He satisfied the demand of God's justice and His righteousness and His wrath. And without that shedding of blood, there would have been no forgiveness. Jesus had to go to the cross for you and for me. Charles Spurgeon said it, and I'm quoting Bob Ingram, who's quoting Charles Spurgeon here. Morality may keep you out of jail, but it takes the blood of Jesus Christ to keep you out of hell. The call for believers, all of us who walk with Christ, to evangelize people who do not know Jesus is based upon our caring about this judgment from them. That we would do influence whomever we can with our, with our walk, with our words, with our talk, with our life witness, that they would escape that eternal consequence of choosing to reject Jesus Christ. Again, I talked with Bob about this. He did this sermon 12 years ago when we were on the Apostles' Creed. I, I've modified it a little bit because Bob and I are a little different people, but 
quoting him again he said don't allow needing a head full of knowledge to crowd out a heart full of concern for the souls of others we like to learn we like to know some of us want to dig deep and dive deep into the word of god and we want to get out our interlinear bibles and we want to look at the greek and the hebrew and strong's concordance and all of that and make sure that we've got this dot and this tittle just in the right place give it all up to talk to somebody about jesus christ because your head knowledge won't make a bit of difference for them that day when they reject and have never heard from someone about jesus so here's a few concerns for the church for all of us we should fear for those that are living only in the here and now and who give no regard to that time of accounting before god hebrews 9 says for just as a man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment billy graham once said the death toll is 100 percent in every generation in matthew 12 36 jesus said i tell you every man will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken i fear for thus live it for all of us that are living only in the here and now and it scares me to death when i read those words maybe you skipped over that verse in your life listen again this is written in red this is the words of jesus christ i tell you every man will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken we should fear for those who live under the influence of other gods who have stolen their devotion and left them blind to the truth that can be the gods of worldly fame that can be the gods of other religions or they can be the little gods that subtly take over our lives the newest stuff the biggest the best the latest edition my intellectual or my physical accomplishments my spouse my children my family our health we should fear for those who live in allegiance to the little gods of this world at the expense of their devotion to the almighty we should fear for those who have fallen prey to the notion that as long as one is faithful to something a force a leader a higher power a god and believe that all gates open into the eternal existence that is good and safe and comfortable i fear for those who for the sake of peace and tolerance at all costs have bought into that unfounded and very frivolous frivolous ideology for just that alone if it were true it would make jesus the most prolific and serious serial liar the world has ever known jesus said i am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except by me the bible is unpopularly exclusive acts 4 12 says salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven and on earth given to us by which we must be saved and then we should fear for those believers of jesus christ who find themselves quietly and even sometimes loudly cheering for god's holy judgment so that finally the evil ones of the world will get what they have coming to them that is not why jesus christ went to the cross we never see in our lord jesus a glimpse of joy but only a weeping and a distraught heart for those who say no to his invitation why do you think again i'm always struck every time we get to easter week every time we're during that passion week and we're talking about the events and we find ourselves in the upper room as the disciples have come in arguing about who's the greatest and who should sit next to jesus 
And Jesus Christ, fully human and fully God, sits there knowing that Judas is going to betray him, and yet still I am so struck by the mercy and the love and the grace and the hope that God gives to all of us that he rose up from that place and he went over and he washed the feet of Judas, still giving him, even though he knew in his Godhead, but still giving Judas the opportunity one last time to change his mind, to accept Jesus Christ for who he was. God never rejoices as I fear sometimes we do over someone who rejects Jesus Christ. For us at this church, we say, are you reaching, teaching, living, and loving like Jesus? We talk about the book of life. I want to touch on that. In Revelation chapter 3, he who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. If anyone's name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation 20. This is the severe consequence for rejecting the salvation of Jesus Christ in this world. But that book of life, and you know people argue, theologians still today, I mean, half of you in this room may say, well, it starts out, everyone starts out with their name written in the book of life. And, and then if they don't accept Jesus Christ, it gets blotted out. Others will say, it's not in the book of life until you accept it. You know, it doesn't matter to me, folks. I want my name in that book. Amen? I, I want to be sure that when I, when I go up and stand before God Almighty, and I know going up towards that place where he sits, I know myself. I know what I've done. I know what my life has been like. And I'm praying, and I'm so thankful that I know when I get there, that as God looks at me, and if he even starts to look at me with that wrath in his eyes, my advocate, my lawyer, the guy standing there on my half is Jesus Christ who's going to say, Daddy, Daddy, that's one of mine. And God's going to say, scoot your little butt right on in there, son. The relevant issue for you and I is not so much knowledge that it is being sure that Christ is your Savior. And you seek Him daily and you're trusting Him every day and you're asking His Spirit to speak to you as you walk on this journey. And then there's that judgment seat of Christ. You've heard me talk before about the book of deeds because once He says, and as I so eloquently phrase, get your little butt on in there, He's going to say, but wait, here's another stop. And this is called the Bema. This is the judgment seat where all of my deeds will be opened before me. And everything that I've ever done in my life, as Jesus said earlier in that words written in red, is going to be opened up for me to see. And, and, and all, of the, all of the stuff, the sin stuff, obviously is thrown out, but then it's even the works that I've done, the things that I've done, everything that I ever did that was motivated by myself, for myself, for what I wanted. All those plaques and awards and certificates suitable for framing that are on your walls. If, that was, if all of that effort and all of that reach and all of that time and all of that energy was spent to glorify you, that's just going to be burn up. I did that once in church. I will never do that again for everybody. It was at Crossroad that Sunday. Set a barrel on fire. Thank God Rex was there and put it out, but then none of us could breathe. I remember it well. I was younger then and dumber too, by the way. We will all stand before God's judgment seat as written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. 
Every tongue will acknowledge God, and then each one of us will give an account of ourselves to God. No one escapes some level of accountability in all of this as we stand before our Savior. John said, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. The Bema seat, just as an aside, you know, because I love history. In the Roman games and all the athletics that they had, the Olympics, at the end of it, uh, the, the judge was up on an elevated seat, literally called the Bema, where he could see everything and then he could hand out the awards. And don't forget that. After we've stood before God with that book of deeds open and we've gone through, we have rewards available to us crown of life crown of joy crown of righteousness all of those things that god talks about in his word are here and for every believer in their lives when they're done in the power of the spirit and a god honoring motive god is going to reward christians when we arrive there it seems a lot more important today again for many believers that they they have an end times calendar and they're trying to figure out and i even even as it's funny i'm working with two churches right now who are searching for senior pastors and i'm working with the same consultant from vanderbloom the whole time and i sit in those meetings and it's amazing to me when people uh get into the weeds and and they want to debate about whether we're pre-trib post-trib mid-trib pre this pre that back and forth and everything else and i'm thinking hey, 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 hey. <laughs> it's it's fun to talk about and it's interesting and certainly there's a lot of theology behind it the bottom line for me if i know jesus christ is my lord and savior whether he comes now whether he comes later whether i kick the bucket and leave this earthly body behind i'm gonna be with jesus amen that's what matters people that's what matters to all of us so enough with the judgment let's finish this way in the back of your bible in the king james it says in spite of everything it says even so come lord jesus even so come lord jesus so let's not finish focusing on the time of accounting that's before each of us but let's finish on the promise that jesus made to all of us who are his i go to prepare a place for you and if i go i will come back to take you to be with me that you may also be where i am what will that be like i've done a lot of funerals here recently and at those gravesides i find it fascinating as we're sitting there and we talk about what it must be like for that person last three funerals i've done they've said the song i can only imagine i can only imagine i can only imagine and i echo that to them you know what we can only imagine but that one who's gone from here they're not imagining anymore they have gone to that undiscovered country from whose born no travel returns that place that is reserved for the children of light in the realms of glory that's what we're headed for and I, I, I want to go there with wings on my feet, ready to stand before my God, understanding that because Jesus Christ died for me, and not for any other reason, that I can stand before my God. And even in the judgment of my deeds, which I pray and I hope that I'll live my life worthy of that calling, and, and every time I fall, I'll get back up and be that saint that returns to my Lord. But I thank God every day every day because mercy there was great and grace was free pardon there was multiplied to me there my soul found liberty at calvary amen and amen lord thank you for this day thank you for your word thank you for your truth father god
that no matter no matter even this morning for there might be someone here lord that has never entered into the relationship with you and they might have looked at their life and said there's no way i have done too many things i have walked such a bad path thank you god jesus thank you lord that because of your grace nothing we have ever done once we lay our lives before you and say i believe and make you the lord of our lives we shall be saved our sins forgiven adopted as a son a child of god and given the promise of eternal life for your grace lord we say thank you for your mercy lord we say thank you for the peace that we have because of what you've done jesus christ we say thank you and we pray in the strong name of our lord and our savior and all of god's people said amen